Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So the Ashes starts in exactly one month and England's injury problems are mounting, better than a week before. We'll discuss Jimmy Anderson's minor groin strain. How minor is it? Durham captain Scott Borthwick joins us to look back at their thrilling one-wicket win over Yorkshire, which sees them extend their lead at the top of Division 2 of the county championship. And we'll look back at the rest of Round 6 action as Surrey win again. Somerset draw with Lancashire in controversial circumstances and we'll end the show by discussing any other business with South Africa automatically qualifying for the World Cup later this year and Darren Sammy appointed the West Indies white ball head coach. Plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Right, Harmy, let's begin with Jimmy. Picked up, uh, uh, we're told, it's a minor groin injury in the first innings and then uh, spent the rest of the game in his tracksuit um, on the uh, Lancashire balcony for, for most of the game. I don't know whether we just sort of expect a little bit of covert secrecy around the ashes and people not to be entirely honest or disingenuous, at least, about injuries. But do we have any reason at all to to be worried? I mean, if it's a minor groin strain, um, he's got a month to recover. He's got the Ireland test match, of course. Um, and a minor groin strain, what is that, like seven days? 10 days? Yeah, you'd think it would, you know, saying it, it, it's a minor injury. Uh, I think you have to, because, because of who it is and the other ear that Jimmy's at, we've all said that the one thing that's going to come from a, an Anderson injury is it, it could be the I mean, the end of, of what has been an illustrious career, if it's a big injury. But hopefully it's just a small one. Hopefully it is just a minor injury. I think you have to be concerned because he's not 30, he's 40. Getting over injuries is a lot harder as you get older. Um, and we've seen in times in the past where he's missed series. We went to Africa when he had that castor in the first test match and missed the whole series. So I think you have to be concerned, but you also have to trust and the trust in the management team and trust in Jimmy Anderson that he's going to be fine. And you know, because of that, 
you have to have it in the back of your mind because he's so important for us. He is so important for how England can win the Ashes that even at the age of, of, of 40 years old, um, you have to be a slight concern a month out from the biggest competition this summer um, that one of your Premier Fast bowlers is is uh, is carrying a little bit of a strain. So if it was a batter, I wouldn't be concerned at all. But if it's a bowler, then I think you have to have a slight concern. But I'm sure Jimmy will be chomping at the bit to finish his career in a, on a high, winning the Ashes at the Oval. Um, so fingers crossed for just a minor minor injury that might just keep him out for seven to ten days. Brighton Castle also suffered uh, an injury, but uh, came out um, at number 11 in uh, that terrific victory. Um, we know that Ollie Stone's also injured. Joffrey Archer is also injured. Um, ben Stokes said he wanted at least eight fast bowlers going into the start of the Ashes. And um, I, I just think, you know, a month out from that, we it's just maybe a little bit early to, to start getting concerned. But, you know, Brighton Castle was maybe, if, if not top eight, he, he'd have been maybe... Tenth on the list, eight, ninth or tenth on the pecking order. I think he was in. I think he's in with a shout. I think he was in with a shout, especially if Joffre didn't make you know, a parade for when it comes to selection. Cast was definitely, I think, in the is definitely in the conversation. Um, he's more of a concern from a, a long term injury than what Jimmy would be because Brian Cast has had a few injuries in the past. Um, he put runs of games together as a fast bowler. Um, has been quite difficult for the lad. So I think England would have had him on their radar. I think he would have been part of the the discussion plans going forward. A trunk injury, I don't even know what a trunk injury is, to be honest. But one thing is for certain that it is a little bit of a blow, more of a blow, because I think you know, Anderson's just minor. I think he's in the conversation as Brian Cars. It depends on Joffre. And I don't think Joffre's as bad as what the outside world is making it out to be. Don't think you can bowl 95 mile an hour for one ball, never mind four overs. If you've got, if you're a serious elbow problem, I just think there's a lot of precaution going around with Joffrey to make sure that we we hopefully have him for at least two, possibly three test matches throughout the Ashes. And if we do, we've got a great chance. So it is uh, quite a way out. We are still a month away, but people are getting overs under their belt. Mark Wood's back home now. He'll be getting his workloads up, ready for... For the Ashes, Stewart's just had a week off. Ollie Robinson's in fine form. So if the Ashes were to come around tomorrow, I still think we'd have four good enough bowlers to take on Australia. But you know, you you want everybody fully fit and firing to enhance the competition. Okay, a lot of people have said to me that we tend to save the best bits till part four, um, as in breaking news or the big stories of the week. So I'm going to bring these two into part one. There's a lot of talk, obviously, about the rapidly and significantly changing cricketing landscape regarding contracting. A lot of uh, talk about IPL franchises, which have now got three, four, even five teams in competitions around the world and talk of the IPL itself expanding. And the IPL owners have made no secret of the fact that they would like their best players to be on contract for 12 months a year to them or even more than one-year contracts, so multi-year, multi-tournament contracts for the best players, which would mean that uh, their countries would have to hire them back, um, very much like what happens in the world of football. Let's hear what Brendan McCullum said a couple of days ago. He was talking on SENZ radio back in New Zealand. In the end, the game is going in a different direction, right? Uh, The game is, the last few years, uh, there's been a shifting of the sands somewhat around international cricket and we're, we'd be completely naive to think that players would 
turned down huge amounts of money on long-term contracts for for a lot less work um, in these T20 leagues because they should be playing international cricket. That, it's, those days are fast approaching to be over. So what you've got to do is you've got to work with these players, you've got to work with these these leagues and try and allow, ideally, players to have their cake and eat it too because you want your best players playing. As a spectator, you want to see the best players in the world representing their countries as well. So, so I think you've got to work with them and that's something which we'll be challenged with in the next sort of while. The thing from our point of view is how do we ensure that when that decision comes, they're thinking about how great a time they have representing uh, the England uh, test side, how much fun they've had, how much uh, those experiences which they've, which they've been able to get in an England shirt is so much is so great that they are prepared to continue to put the yards in, even though it might not be as financially viable as, as some of the other leagues. But I think we're a little bit lucky too because the amount of Money. Money that they can that that we can pay <laughs> players is is better than yeah I than spoke some about boards around the world yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, it is a shift it's definitely a shifting landscape and you've just got to be you got to be fluid that's England Test coach Brenda McCullum talking to SENZ Radio back in New Zealand he says it's inevitable Harmy that that's just absolutely the way it's going to go we'll talk about what Surrey's director of cricket Alex Stewart had to say about it in just a moment but your thoughts about what McCullum said. Yeah, I think it was always coming. I think we've been, we've been, man, as we've been doing this program for two years now, and we've been consistent on that in that two year period that in the next three to five years it was coming. Maybe it's been fast forwarded and it's coming possibly next year. Do I see the landscape of international cricket changing? Absolutely, 100%. I think you have to work with these players because they are, even though they were essentially contracted by England, they're all self employed cricketers. Cricket's a business. You know, football's the same. They're all self-employed. You have a contract. Not the same in football because you have multi-year contracts in football where you tie down a player and you have a transfer fee. Are we, Are we? more importantly, 12-month contracts by franchises are coming. No question. We've known that for, for two years. Is the transfer system coming in? Are we getting to a point where we have a transfer system? Because that's the only way for me that can that this is this is going to go and this is going to work because you know in football you have a three-year contract if somebody wants to buy you out that contract there's a fee now that's how english cricket can potentially get around it where if they can get a, an 18 year old who have got so much potential on a five-year contract which you'd be stupid to sign it i know one i know one leg spinner has done that which i think is quite bizarre but all of a sudden if he's tied down to that club it's a masterstroke because then if he wants to be playing franchise cricket around the world, then the franchises have to buy him. And that is where I think this is going. Is the other telling, is Brendan telling us anything that we didn't know? No. I think we do have to work with the franchises. International cricket will always be there, but unfortunately not to the extent of what it used to be, especially the old school tie brigade, the stiff upper lip and the ones that you know run the MCC at Lords. Sorry. They're just not fit for purpose now. They're not in the game anymore. There, we rule the game. We organise the game. We, we were the first people to bring cricket to you. Sorry, you're gone. History. The, uh, the Indian franchises are the ones that control cricket. You just have to see what they want from a percentage of the money coming into the ICC. They run the game. So we either work with them, or we work against them. ECB have tried a couple of times to work against them, and it's backfired. I think we have to now to make sure that these franchises come into England. Because go on to what Alex Stewart says, if they're going to be contracted by an, an Indian 
franchise and they're not in England, then all of a sudden, are our counties going to close the doors on the players who are contracted by them, i.e. what Alex said? And he's right. He is 100% right. With S&C coaches, with physios, with nets, with your, you know, your downtime and practice, are you going to have to go to your local cricket club? Hopefully help you out on a sticky, you know, wet, wet sticky one in Notts or in Durham or in, in Manchester to try and get yourself prepared for your franchise tournament. So I think there's a, a little bit of give and take and a bit of hand-holding needing to come. But the, the franchise 12-month contract or multi-year contract is definitely coming for the likes of Josh Butler, Joffre Archer, Alex Hales, all these players, because you know that's the way the game, that's the landscape of where this modern-day game is going. What Alex Stewart was saying is that they need to work, counties need to work with the IPL franchises, and they say, right, okay, he's yours. Previously, he was ours. We sorry signed him on a twelve year a twelve month contract. He went to play for you. He got injured. He came back and he used our facilities, our physios, our nets, our rehab. And what Alec is saying now is that we, if we are only getting six or eight weeks a year out of a player, why are we giving him a twelve month contract? You want to sign him for twelve months? That's fine. He can come home. He can mm. use our facilities, but you will pay us for them. Absolutely. And that's unfortunately, and until Mumbai Indians take over the Oval Invincibles or the London Spirit, which is connected to Middlesex and Surrey and whatever, the money coming into the English game. So when that happens, then that Indian franchise, throughout hopefully that process of having, you know, the, the money that's been paid into that, into that county, that will cover the, you know, the 12 month contract of a, an example. Well, Alec, Sorry, Chris Jordan. Chris Jordan plays T20 cricket for, for Sussex. Uh, for Surrey. Now, Tamil Mills plays T20 cricket for, for, uh, for Sussex. Now, these franchises peer them counties to make sure that their cricketers are into top cushion. It will be coming. And, and until, until and the ECB find a way of either creating a competition that will you know, work, work with you know, the big franchise tournaments and big franchise leagues around the world and bring the money in that is that undoubtedly is there, then we'll have more director of crickets like um, Alex Stewart saying the best thing that county members want to hear is that we're not going to be walked over anymore. We either, we're either going to get our players back, that's never going to happen, or we're going to make sure that we get you know, compensation enough to make sure that these these players can have free run at our club, but they're they're basically their parent club is the franchise that owns them because we just we just borrow them every now and again, every now and again in the summer. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Terrific uh, to have you, Scott Borthwick. Um, what a victory! Um, and it's something you're becoming used to. Uh, three out of five won. You could have won all five, mm. to be absolutely honest, but. I tell you what, this one was a bit, uh, I don't know, maybe you didn't think it was unlikely, but I think it was 73 still needed when you lost your eighth wicket. Fantastic effort. Yeah, look, it was a, an incredible win. I mean, the closer we were getting, the more nervous I was actually getting. And I think when Potty and Rainey got together, I think you're right, we needed about 75, I think it was 73. So at that stage, it was more about actually feeling frustrated and a bit more angry because we actually didn't bat particularly well. And then, like I say, Potty and Rainey were just were just outstanding. It's 
they just never looked like getting out. I think that was the most impressive thing. They were just so both calm and cool and just played each ball on its merit and just, like I said, never looked like getting out. Um, and then the closer we were getting, God, it was, it was so nervous. The lads on the, on the balcony just walking around. I mean, God, Graham Clark, who was one of the most nervous blokes in the world. He literally, I thought he was going to be sick at one stage. <laughs> he was just kept walking about. I said, like, Clark, you calm down, man. Like, because obviously Carsey was it was next in the bat and he was making him nervous. And I was running for Clarkie as well. FR uh, Carsey. So it was, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fun sort of 45 minutes. Um, but now it was, it was an amazing win. And look, to to beat Yorkshire, that, that rivalry you're doing with Yorkshire is always massive. Whatever division you win, it's always a big game. So to to, to beat Yorkshire this week was, was really impressive. What I want to know, as a young Scott Borthwick, when I was ending my career, how fidgety and how bouncy and how larger-than-life character you are. Now, as a senior player and as a captain of my former great county, who on earth's idea was it to send you out as a runner? <laughs> well, I've settled down a little bit, Harmy, but not as much. I'm still, I'm still a little badger. But it was, it was either me or Lazy, to be honest, and, and Lazy didn't want to do it. So it was like, well, look, I'll do it try to to have a senior head with him but yeah it was thankfully I, I didn't really need to do much but um Carsey was fine honestly like he was walking at a bat I just kept saying you're all right and he just he was in the zone like he, he didn't really speak and I think he was that drugged up on on paracetamols and stuff because his side was so bad but yeah he, he looked really calm and knocked it down to third man for an easy two and it was it was game over um I think I was probably more nervous than him I think just walking on but I was trying to stay quiet yeah, nervous times. <laughs> we chatted to um, new head coach Ryan Campbell at the beginning of the season before you played a game. And, and Cambo said that he was a massive, massive fan of, of uh, Ben Stokes and, and Brendan McCullum and this yeah. uh, positive cricket. He spoke a lot with conviction about being prepared to lose in order to win and, and chasing the game. And it, it all sounded good. But my goodness, you boys are walking his talk this year. No, absolutely. Look, Campbell is a very is a positive coach. He's a positive person, and I think that's just been the biggest difference of, of this switch of mindset and addressing. Really, it's just about actually how can we win this game of cricket from here? How can we be positive and like, whatever situation we find ourselves in throughout the game? It's that's the question that keeps coming back to us: is how can we win from here? Um, and I think that is just fed into to everyone in the dressing room, and there's a real belief and trust within each other at the moment, and. and Let's say whatever situation we find ourselves in, it's there's always a bit of oh we'll be fine because we trust him, we trust him to do the job. And um, and there's a couple of occasions this year where bowlers have gone down injured, like Carsey this week, Coglin got injured the week before, Matt Cooman the week before that. So we've we've actually been a bowler down, but it's never really stopped us because we've still had that belief that someone will find a way. Um, and and that's that that's happened the first five games. And look, you, you said at the start of the show we. We could have won all five, and that's probably a, a little bit frustrating. However, we're, we're sitting top of the league with, with with three wins and playing some really good cricket. And like I say, the atmosphere in the dressing room is, is brilliant at the moment. Scott, I want to ask you about sort of you in as as sort of captaincy and and stuff like that, as, along with man has just mentioned Ben Stokes. Um, you've been captain quite a bit now. You went sorry, you came back. James Franklin coach Ryan Campbell now in as coach. Two different types of of mindset from a coaching point of view. But yeah. I remember you, young man, getting on the bus for the first time, going down to Hampshire, sitting next to a young Ben Stokes, the two years together, causing absolute havoc to old men playing cards at the back of the bus. But 
how has your sort of have you changed as a captain since Ben's took over? Because you are very close to Ben, and I'm sure you speak to him weekly. Yeah, I mean, I think with Campbell coming in, I think he's he would have done this anyway. And I think what Stokes has done and his mindset, and look, we had Stokes a couple of times last year in, in the championship, and, he, and this was before he even played any test cricket as a captain. He, you know what he's like. He's always he's ultra positive, and he he always. He's sort of the same mindset as Campbell. He always thinks, "How can we win this game?" He's never thinking about a draw. He'd rather lose the game trying to win, as we know. And I think Campbell would have done this anyway. And I think you know, we know that I'm a positive person as well. And I know you don't win titles by getting draws, and mm. you've got to win games of cricket. And I think the last couple of years, our mindset has generally been, "Well, if we don't win, we just draw, and we we pick up our eight points and." I think there's a, a comment at the start of last year was if you get if you average eleven or twelve points a game you're going to win the league, but like I said you, we know that we don't win titles by drawing games, and I think with just having Campbell with the first time he spoke to lads it was we want to win games and and that has just fed into the whole group nicely and and, and me being as a captain speaking to our bowlers they're really positive our batters are really positive because. There's almost the, the license is there just to go and have a crack and go and try and win games of cricket, which is almost making my job easier because I want to win and the lads are all, it's almost like we're all singing from the same hymn sheet as we want to win games of cricket. How can we take wickets? How can we score runs? There's not a negative, right, we, we can't win this, we'll draw, or how can we stop scoring, stop leaking runs? It's actually, how can we take wickets? And everything we're saying, everything is is positive. And I think... When you've got that mindset, it, it's amazing how far you can actually go. And I, I mean, I heard Stokes say this a, a few months ago after that Pakistan series where the three of the flattest wickets in the world, but they managed to get three wins. And Stokes, he was just saying it's just because the language we're using is how positive we are. It's, it's, it's how can we win this game, regardless of what the situation is, regardless of what the, the pitch is. And I think that's been Campbell's words. And like I say it's, fed in, it's fell into the group nicely. I think you're a team in the wrong division. I think Harmy and I both said that at the start of, uh, we just looked at the, the well, I mean, start with the bowling attack and uh, we thought, yeah. well, Durham are going up, who's going up with them? But um, I don't expect you to comment on that. What I want to ask you is, what's going to happen in the Ashes? Oh, I, I, it's going to be tough, but I would have England as favourites. Um, I think, like I just mentioned there with, with Stokes, at the, the captaincy, I, 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 it's hard to look past them. I, I generally think they'll, they'll they'll beat the Aussies. I, I'm going to stick them neck on the line and say 4-1. England win. 4-1. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think there'll be draws. I think the way England will play, they'll, they'll be aggressive. They'll, they'll they'll want to beat the Aussies. And, and look, the way they've played the last 10 tests, they've, they've been outstanding. I mean, they've, they've got some proper players as well. That, that batting lineup they've got now, they just keep coming at you. And they just keep wanting to score runs and, They'll, they'll take any bonus side down and and look if they can keep Archer, Broad, Anderson, Robinson fit, um, then they've got a good big a bunch of fastballs to pick from as well. As long as they stay away from Carsey and Potty for now. <laughs> <laughs> and you've missed one out. You missed Woody out as well. So Woody, Sorry, Woody yeah. how, how can I forget Woody as well? I mean, yeah. But but Scott, you mentioned mentioned the sort of England stuff thing, positivity and where it's going. You know, you look at what you've got there now. You've got you're potentially, if you had one more championship round of matches before 
yes. that first test match, you could have fielded, along with what you've got, Wood and Stokes in a team that's going forward. That's frightening for anybody in the second division looking up when they see you at, at the top. One on Ryden Koss, not just how good is he, we'll ask him about his injury in a second, but has there been any mentions that you rested him the other week because we see him play and potentially play in the Ashes? Because yes. I'd be shouting his name from the rooftop because I think this kid is a, a special talent. But how was his injury at the minute and where do you see Carsey because he plays franchise cricket as well? Do you, does he want to play Test match cricket? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's desperate to play uh, Test cricket, and he he got rested a couple of weeks ago he's, because he's partly contracted by the ECB. They sort of dictate with what games he misses, really. So him and Potty have, have both had a rest in the first five games. I think his injury is quite bad, um, so that might keep him out for I reckon about eight weeks, which is which is a massive hammer blow for him personally because he's been unbelievable this year. Uh, not just with the ball, but with the bat as well. He's, he's had a 90-odd and 100. He, he's he's doing all the right things off the field. He's looking after himself a lot better than probably what he has done in the past. He's, he's doing everything right in the gym. He's, he's fueling his body with the right thing. <laughs> he's doing all the right things. And, and look, he's, he, his bowling's being outstanding. He's someone that can bowl 90 miles an hour and swing it. Um, and when you've got the likes of him and Potsy in the same side, two guys who can bowl fast, then you're going to create chances. And, and to have them both in the same side together is amazing to have. I mean, I think last season we only had them together once and that was the game we actually won. We only won one game last year and that was the game we had them both in the same side. So to have them both firing and, and, and playing and bowling the way they are, is it, honestly, it's absolutely brilliant. It's, it feels like the old Durham with the likes of you and Onions and Pudsey back in the side when you, you know you've got pace um, and you know that when tailenders come in, you just you just let them loose, um, and like I say, they've been outstanding, and, and it's a massive blow for Carsey because he, you're right, he would have been in a mix, I think, for that Test side because he, he he's batting nice as well, so he could have started it and worked for them. Scott, do keep going for the rest of uh, the season. Somebody said to me that Durham's biggest problem from here on in is complacency. I, I get a very strong impression from you that that is not a, a real danger. No, look, I don't think so. Um, we know that we're playing well, but we also know there's a long way to go. Um, and we'll just keep we'll keep going. We'll keep looking to put in good performances. We've got a game next week down in Bristol before the T20s. Look, if we can have a good performance down there and, and finish this block of championship with top of the league with six good performances. And um, yeah, look, there's a long way to go, as you know. Very best of luck. We look forward to talking to you after promotion, if not before then. <laughs> Hopefully, Matt. The excellent uh, Durham captain, Scott Borthwick, there. Uh, you're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll round up the best of the county championship action, a Surrey move further clear at the top of Division 1, and it was a week to remember for Somerset teenager James Rue. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed now, available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Okay, let's um, carry on. We're reviewing round six of the uh, championship. Uh, Start off with uh, (laughs) a straightforward with Surrey returning back to form and taking uh, an albeit narrow lead at the top of uh, Division One, but um, pretty straightforward victory against Middlesex. Although it didn't look like it um, when Middlesex were 166 for one, but uh, collapsed to 209. And Dan Worrell, what a good signing he's been! Five for 48. Um, and in the end, it was a stroll for the Brown Hatters. It was a stroll. It was um, <clears throat> I'm watching before lunch and after lunch, and it was two different teams from from Surrey, really, the bowling attack. And it wasn't just one bowler, it was them all. They came out and as though they'd had a good night the night before, didn't quite get into kicking to gear once lunch come and gone after. But they bowled beautifully after lunch. It really did. I thought Robson and Milan played, played nicely. And then Worrell, he's a good performer. He is a, a tidy performer at the oval, gets the ball to move. Um, and he bowled beautifully. What he had, he had, I think, something like five for five at, at one point after lunch, and he um, he really sort of turned the screw. And in Middlesex's bat and woes have have continued a little bit. Uh, we spoke to Mark Spellman a couple of weeks ago and talked about whether they were getting good balls or they were just not playing and missing and nicking them. But I thought Surrey bowled really, really well after lunch and exposed the confidence at Middlesex batters at the top of the order haven't really sort of got. And then you you throw in that. You've got like Sakimar Roach, who is a you know is a fine fine performer, and the boy Atkinson, he's got some of him. I, I quite like I quite like the way he's uh, he's quietly going about his business underneath the radar of of Worrell and and Kimar Roach and and Abbott. They've got a fine bowling attack of Surrey and you know, Alex Stewart. We mentioned Alex Stewart in in section one and. You know, he, he talked about this is the biggest pool of players that he's got because of all the franchise tournaments in England, the selection, and yes, they're a big county. But every time they seem to bring somebody in, 
that player you know, hits the ground running and does the job for for the Brown Hatters. So yeah, convincing win for me, and it was a it was a good performance on TV, especially for a young man called Smith, because that boy's got serious talent. Young Jamie Smith, he, he really has. I know Ben Folks and Johnny Besto are, are fighting out for the Ashes gloves. But I think Jamie Smith, if not a batter in the game going forward, definitely got a job as a batter wicketkeeper. In, in England colours. So it was nice to see him. It's the first time I'd really seen him and concentrated on watching him in a, in a live game. Um, and I was very, very happy with what I was seeing because he, he has definitely got something in defence. He's quite strong. Uh, in attack, he is very, very, yeah, very, very aggressive. Um, and his movements, balance, ticks all the right boxes for me. He's got the temperament. I think the boy plays international cricket. And there's James Rue as well from Somerset. We'll come on to him in just a moment. Uh, just quickly, um, Warwickshire with, I thought, I know I'm biased, but a pretty emphatic victory um, against Essex. You know, they came out to chase a, an awkward title in the fourth innings and, and scored it four and over. Um, people are saying, can Warwickshire sustain this challenge? I think the main thing they've got going for them, um, apart from the fact that they've got very good players and a very good squad, is... Um, how few England call-ups they might get, unless um, Chris Rushworth um, gets, a, <laughs> gets a call-up to the Ashes. I mean, he took eight for 90 th- uh, this week, following his 10 wickets last week. Uh, but but seriously, um, you know, uh, and also Sam Hayne, of course, has got no chance of being called up because he's invisible to uh, England's <laughs> selectors, the invisible man with some 45 more runs on a tricky pitch. And that's unusual for Edge Baston because it's, uh, you know, most games that they won last year were going into well into the fifth day, uh, certainly when they won the championship two years ago. Yeah, what stood out for you there? I think obviously it was a battle of the bone attacks. I know the pitch didn't look, you know, a great normal Edge Baston flat pitch, but I think you look at the bone attacks on show, you give any of them bowlers a, a little bit of a sniff and they will, they will cause problems. The only thing for, for Warwickshire for me, is without the invisible man, Mr. Hearn, I think the their batting would be a question over 14 games, top level, first division cricket, can they sustain that? If they can, because bear in mind, you know, you look at the you look at the result and it wasn't a, a high scoring affair and even hundred for six, you know, I lost six wickets in a hundred. Hassan Ali in the first innings gets fifty-six at number nine. If he doesn't get them runs, then this game is yeah, hell of a lot closer, if not Essex, you know, coming out on top. But ifs and buts and things like that are irrelevant when it comes to talking about results. But both innings, both top order chances for Warwickshire, that would be the only thing for me that stops them for staying and sustaining a, a title push or trying to finish second, because I don't think anybody's gonna anybody's gonna get anywhere near Surrey. Um, but from that point of view, yes, there's no England call-ups, but we've got a bone attack for me who will constantly keep them in a game and give them a chance to win. Can they get enough runs on the board consistently over the course of 14 games? That will always be the question for me for Warwickshire. But from a bowling attack point of view, they've got a, they've got an embarrassment of riches of bowlers who can question anybody's technique at top of the top of the stumps, top of the off stump, either going in or going away. The likes of Helen Dalby, you know, Rushworth, um, Hassan Ali, and then they'll probably will have Chris Wokes for a large proportion of their county championship season. It's not bad for, and they've got one or two others backing up. So yeah, if they can get runs, they will be up there with a shout. Okay. There would have been people listening at the beginning who would have thought controversial. 
What was controversial about Lancashire's draw with Somerset? Well, um, maybe that's not the right word, but it was it was certainly a talking point uh, because a lot of people said, "Why didn't Somerset declare? What what what's going on in their second innings? Why why did they bat on?" Um, and um, Craig Overton, this obviously got to him, um, and uh, he took to Twitter as you do when you want to get something off your chest. And uh, he said that Lancashire refused to make a game of it. He said that Somerset were offering uh, a, a fourth innings target and they were, they were, I mean, neither sides won a game. Um, and he says uh, that Lancashire refused and that they weren't interested in Somerset's offer. Maybe Somerset's offer wasn't generous enough. Yeah. Well, the, the, the offer that Craig had put on social media, 350 off, off 90, a uh, fourth tier, I'm not saying you can see why Lancashire turned it down. Lancashire are a good side, top end side, side that you know been there or thereabouts in the last couple of years. You look at the the, the bowling attack of of Somerset. You know Matt Henry, quality performer from New Zealand. You know Overton, Jack Leach, three international bowlers. That's a fifty-fifty game for me. Three fifty and ninety, possibly more in in Somerset's favour because that's a lot of runs. We don't know the pitch. We don't know if the pitch was deteriorating. Can't imagine Jimmy Anderson not batting. Really troubled Lancashire in their decision making not to go in three fifty for nine, uh, three fifty off ninety. So it is an interesting. It's always an interesting conversation. I just look at that in Lancashire. Possibly thought three fifty was far too much on a pitch which was wearing. But when you looked at the scores, it still still would have been the, the sort of third highest score of the game. You know, Somerset got 360 and in, in just short of 400. Lancashire 326 for nine. They're going to have to get the biggest biggest score they've got in the game to win the game. It's a difficult one when you're not there. But when you haven't won a game all season and you're trying to be top end, the way the, the point system goes, win or draw, five points extra for the draw or you go for the win, it might have been worth a punt. But hey-ho. For what it's worth, Harmy, I think 350 in 90 it was a bit tough. You'd try to talk him down to 300, wouldn't you? You would have, I mean, yeah. You know, like 380, maybe, 385. Anyway, sh- a shout-out to Tom Lamanby for what was a spectacular anti-Bazball statement. He made 38 off 184 balls. At one point, he had 10 off 70. And um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm not being facetious. Good on him. You know what? You're maybe not in your best form and uh, you're maybe nipping around a bit. You know, you're facing Jimmy Anderson, albeit briefly, but you don't give it away. You don't no. think, oh, 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 I've got to, I've got to smash it. I've got to play baseball. No, some, sometimes you're going to go through a rough patch. And good on him. 38 off 184. It is. It's humble. It is. It's great. And that gives you your, your lower order a chance. Are your middle order a chance? And the one person that benefited was Rue. You know, what an innings. What a two days he had. James Rue, he gets 100. I don't, you can say the second innings was, you know, Dan Vallis was bowling and Crofty was bowling and one or two others were bowling. But to get 100, a first-class 100 in both innings, that's that's a fantastic achievement, especially for somebody so young. I was with Marcus Triscothic on one night last week. We talked about how you know the, the development of, of some players and talked about Rue and he said he's he's still got you know things to learn and uh, he's got a little bit of a way to go. But I just said to him, it's great that Somerset are giving him a chance to keep wicketing back because there are other options, more sort of senior options in the, the Somerset lineup that you could throw the gloves to. And 
in Davis is, is one who is opening the back net uh, at Taunton at the minute. But they're giving him a chance, James Rue, a chance at 18, 19-year-old, and, and good for them doing that. And he's repaired them this week. Fantastic 100 in the first innings. And the Lamanby one just reminded me, I can't remember his surname now. I've really got it that I can't remember his name. I have to tell you that. He played for Yorkshire. Joe, somebody, I'm forgetting. And I, he batted, he got 100 off 400 balls against Durham one day. And I mean, I hit him everywhere on his body. And I mean, he was, it just bounced. He, and he took it and he took it and he took it. Durham attack at the time, I think it was Plunkett, Onions, Harmison. And he, he blocked it and he blocked it and he blocked it. And the, the relevance to this story is that it was it was around about the time when T20 cricket was just changing, not hitting giggle, it was proper. And uh, the week after, he's got into the T20 practice after getting a hundred ball, uh, four hundred ball hundred against us. And in practice, he hit Matthew Hoggard's first four balls for six and Huggy <laughs> threw the white, Huggy threw the ball at Coach Martin Moxon and said, "Right, ring me in six weeks when the proper cricket starts." And Huggy went home. He had no, he had no interest in playing T20 cricket. So it just reminded me when 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 the boy was getting we had 34 off a million balls I was like yeah I remind, remember back to Yorkshire days and we tried everything it was Joe Walsh was it Joe Walsh I have to find his surname I can't remember it but I really apologise for that but he just blocked it and we had no answer we had really no answer to him whatsoever so I can understand what the Lancashire bowlers were going through uh, by the way Glenn Chappell the Lancashire coach said afterwards that he thought a 50-50 chase would have been 260 in the final two sessions. But he said they would have been interested in talking about anything up to about 320, but 350 was just too much. Anyway, elsewhere in Division 1, Hampshire were frustrated by the rain in their draw against Kent. Um, and there were runs in the second innings for Zach Crawley. Nottinghamshire moved joint third with an innings and 25-run win over North Ants, who are looking very much like uh, relegation material. Cue them to win their next three games. Um, but uh, excellent five wicket hauls from Brett Hutton and Dane Patterson. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two time county championship winner Steve Harmison. So, Yorkshire have now gone 18 games without winning a county championship match. Rishi Patel elsewhere continues his excellent start to the season with a match saving century for Leicestershire against Sussex. That's his third hundred of the season, over 500 runs at 64 this season. Steve Smith. Scored just uh, three. Glamorgan thrashed Worcestershire by uh, ten wickets. What stands out for you there? Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm really, I'm really pleased that we've had with two of our two of our good friends on the Critic Collective who come on at the drop of a hat and we talk. Last season, their clubs had sh- not shockers, but struggled, and that's Sussex and Leicestershire. And Paul Farber has gone down to to Sussex, and he told us before, just before the season he wants Sussex to to compete, to win. And I want to teach these kids how to win. And we said, we said all along about Paul Nixon, whenever he comes on, at the end of Nico's chat, we go, yeah, these young guys have got no idea that the enthusiasm that Nico will give, that gives them, he'll make them better cricketers. He'll make them better cricketers. I look at the table in Division 2, it sits Yorkshire, Sussex, Leicestershire. Fantastic. I'm over the moon. My county, yes, Durham, they've got a great bone attack. They've got some excellent batters and balance their side is very, very good. I've no doubt that they would be at the top. I thought Yorkshire would push them hard. But Sussex and Leicestershire, they've had two or three years of, of struggle because they've had young players, but they've backed their young players and they've turned out and they've royally repaired them. Yes, Pajara and Smith's at, at Sussex and they've got a little bit of class in Robinson when he played last week. 
they're going in the right direction, Sussex. We knew that last year. You know, if they stuck with them and had a bit of experience, the boys will be will be will turn into men and they will will fire. Um, and Leicester should have done the same. They really have done the same. They get the the players that learned a lot from the last sort of eighteen months of of, of first class cricket and now come into the fore. Rishi Patel's yeah, he moved county, got himself in a position to right a, a, a lot a smaller county, and I will thrive if I get a chance. And he's now repaying. You know the, the guys at Leicester show Leicester show. So I'm pleased by that. One one made me laugh. We are very good at talk sport at making ridiculous statements. And I'm gonna put my hands up. I'm not quite in Jamie O'Hara and Gabby Agbonlahor's league, but when I heard about what six months ago that Erling Haaland was not the right man for Manchester City because all he does is score goals. He doesn't fit the way Manchester City play, and all he does is score goals. And he's broken record after record after record. And there were some absolute numpties saying that. And whoever has come out this week and said Steve Smith is the wrong choice because Nathan McAndrew is not playing because Steve Smith is second overseas player. You want your head red. You're trying to say, Steve, he got three runs, so what? Steve Smith, the, one of the greatest players of the modern generation. He's given so much in that Sussex dressing room by just being there. And for anybody to think that, Steve Smith was a bad choice to go to go in his second overseas play behind Pajara and leave a bowler out. I'm sorry, you want to give you a head a shake because yes, he only got three. I thought he got. I thought he, it wasn't a bad as bad a decision this week than it was last week. Still a little bit high, um, and the umpires are favouring the England cricket team, which is fantastic for me. He took a blinding catch, and it's great to see that we've got one of the best players in the world playing county cricket. So for me, yeah, I wished it. Yeah. Glamorgan, I think Glamorgan are a decent side. Durham, obviously, we've had Scott on, so we we know the nail biter and and Gibbo and 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 Goffey are having a tough time there at Yorkshire just to turn the tide into a from a draw to a win because you know it's been it's been eighteen long months before they've they've had that victory. So all in all, I think the second division is probably going to be more competitive than the first division when it comes to result based uh, outcomes. And I'm I'm really pleased for Nico and Farby. Because one thing is trying to get your young players you know, to perform, but they've got to believe in you first. And for me, you know, these young players have believed in their two coaches and they've, you know, they've listened and knowing that the coaches are doing the right things for them. And that little sprinkling of, of experience, Sussex and Leicester are finding themselves second and third in the league, which is great to see. OK, Durham, 18 points clear at the top with three wins. But Sussex and Leicester in second and third are both unbeaten. And as we, we've been saying for the last couple of years, if you can't win games, make sure you don't lose them. So um, for them to be unbeaten, 64 points and 60 points respectively, as you said, um, just fantastic, fantastic for, for both of those two counties. All right, on to other news. Um, South Africa have qualified automatically for the World Cup. Ireland needed to beat Bangladesh 3-0 in their series, which was staged at Chelmsford. One of the reasons for moving it there was uh, the better weather than Ireland might expect in May. But of course, the first game was washed out. And then Ireland, unfortunately, continued their ability to lose, to push the bigger teams really close and then just lose at the last hurdle. They lost by three wickets and four runs in uh, the second and third games. So South Africa into the World Cup. Sri Lanka and the West Indies will have to pre-qualify in Harare in uh, June and July. Also, a couple of interesting appointments. West Indies kept 
caretaker coach and Andre Coley as their test coach, but appointed Darren Sammy as the white ball coach, Harmy. Really interested in your thoughts about this. I mean, he's not really, he's he's not a coach. He's an inspirational figure to many. I mean, he captained the team to their two T20 World Cup victories. But I just don't know whether the appointment of a, I don't want to be disrespectful, but a figurehead coach is going to work, particularly in a West Indian context. I mean, he he didn't really draw the players together. I mean, there were many that kind of sniggered that he wouldn't have got into the team if uh, he wasn't captain. So um, it's a, it seems that feels like a gamble. Yeah, it's a gamble, but I think it's a gamble that the West Indies really have to take because they've had some good coaches, they've had good technical coaches, they've had good men. Um, Phil Simmons, great man, some good people around. I look at it the other way of manners and I just go, if we can bring 15 players from the islands together, a bit like what Brendan's done and make a feel-good factor, hopefully talent will come through. And the one thing, you can't really con- compare Brendan and Brendan McCollum and, and Darren Sammy when it comes to that because... Talent pool in, in English cricket, I think, is a lot higher, obviously. But if Darren Sammy can get 50 of the best players from the islands on board with what he's trying to push and say and make it a, a good environment, then you'd hope that you know, their talent would come through. Because the one thing you'll always say, and you label this as at Pakistan and you label it at the West Indies, the talent is never in question. It's just they always make a decision, which sometimes you are one forward and three back. But hopefully, you know, there's always a controversy. There's always a a shambolic leading into a tour, a decision to be made. Um, But fingers crossed, Darren's a good man. Somebody, you're right, an inspirational figure, led them to two tournament victories. And hopefully that leadership quality. And he's got, let's be fair, we've seen him on commentary. He's got a fun-loving outlook of the game. Um, if he brings that into the dressing room, he might just just release the shackles and bring the islands closer together because that's the most important thing in the, in the Caribbean. Can you bring the islands closer together? He did that because he wasn't from one of the big islands when he was captain. Can he do that as a coach? I don't think the West Indies have got anything to lose, and especially when it comes to the major mm-hmm. tournaments. When they come to the major tournaments, they tend to turn up. And he does have a national stadium named after him. Um, Lucia, the Darren Sammy Stadium. A couple of other points. Um, I saw a brilliant interview, uh, I think it was on Crick Info, with Trent Bolt talking about his decision to refuse a New Zealand cricket central contract, but how he still wants to not only play World Cups and, and you know, he doesn't want to just rock up and, you know, here I am for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. He also can, wants to continue playing test cricket. But um, he said, you know, playing in tournaments like the ILT20, he was able to have his family with him. He's got three young boys. Um, who have now joined him in the IPL as well. And so really what he was saying is the centrally contracted life just wasn't for me. Um, I was sceptical. I was thinking, well, you know, you're going to be playing T20 cricket all around the world. How much time can you spend with your family? But he's prepared to do it, and he's flying them from New Zealand. Um, he's talking about having three young jet-lagged boys, <laughs> and and you and that is proper jet-lag from New Zealand. But, you know, I, I just think, again, he is – an example of the future. Massive example of the future and a massive example of how the world, the landscape of cricket is changing um, in a big, big way. We've always talked about the Kiwis being very good at accommodating their, their tournaments, around, their international schedule around the tournaments. Um, so for me, a no-brainer. If he's available, you pick him. 
And I think that was the most important thing. You know, in New Zealand, when we were there not long ago, it was as if the establishment were trying to make a point. Well, I think the cricket in the last, even in this short period, has met a point that the jet-setting lifestyle of franchise cricket is going to win, it's going to take over. And you do, you know, talk about spending more time with the family. You do. Instead of being eight hours, 12 hours at a, at a cricket ground, you know, most of you in an IPL game, you're probably at the ground for four and a half, five hours. So you get more time with your family before you game. And when you, more often than not, in the, in the franchise tournaments, they're all games played at night. So you go, you go to the ground when the kids are going to sleep. So it's a win-win. You get all afternoon with them if you want to look at it from a family point of view. But to have Trent Bolt at the World Cup, for me, I think it's a positive. Okay, and finally, for much of the last decade, Harmy, if an on-field umpire wanted assistance from his colleague in the third umpire's box, he could refer a decision, but he was required to have a guess first. Yeah. And if the, I mean, so the soft signal um, has now officially been um, abandoned. I can understand the reasons. I tell you what, even I actually thought that it was a good idea. I could understand uh, because television wasn't always as clear cut in, with its evidence as you would like. But um, in retrospect, it's a bit daft, doesn't it? I have, I don't know whether he's out, which is why I'm asking you, but, <laughs> but, I'll, have, but I'll have a crack at it anyway. I'll, go at it. I'll have a go at it anyway, just to confuse you even more. So no, I think common sense is, Come to it. Communication. We want to see communication. I think the soft signal was for the crowd, for the TV ponders at home, and it was to complicate and complicated matters. At the end of the day, what you could say, you're, you're speaking to the guy anyway on a microphone that nobody can nobody can hear. So if you go to, if you say to him, which common sense now does, you say to him, I think he got his fingers underneath that, but I'm not sure. Can you just check? Then no punter needs to know whether he's fingers up or he's fingers down for this. Because then it makes it even more, you have to be even more correct when you're when you're looking at it. And I have played countless amount of games to understand and experience that a fielder knows when the ball's underneath your fingers and you catch it or a ball has bounced just in front of you, you know. And I think now technology, the way the communication works, I think the right decision is now finally being made by not giving a soft signal. And finally, finally. David Willey's been named Northamptonshire captain for the T20 Blast, and he also took to social media to say that he was shocked and disappointed with the news, but then wished David Willey all the best anyway. Yeah, Josh Cobble was an interesting one when Josh has gone. Obviously, he must have found out by David Willey's Twitter feed. So, look, you don't know what's with the full extent of going on. Fingers crossed that the two can separate their differences when they go on the field for, for North Hans because... They are two big cricketers that Northampton are going to need for the blast. Right. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week, and we'll hear exclusively from both Johnny Bairstow and Jimmy Anderson. But for now, this week, it's been another edition of the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final 
You can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.